November 11th, 1850. The first college fraternity, the Flat Hat Club, is founded when a bunch of dudes draw some dicks on some parchment. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest is a friend of the show, uh, one of Denver's funniest, funniest people, uh, member of Pussy Bros. Yeah, I said it twice, motherfuckers. Uh, Please... Welcome back, Christy Bukley. Thank you so much. Hi, guys. I'm I'm glad to be back. This is one of my favorite podcasts to do because I get to nerd out on history, and that's my favorite. Right. Uh, and knew we definitely wanted to have you back for World War One. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. So, yep. Um, who this was my have... this was my specialty. Honestly, this is probably my favorite course I took in college. Uh, and I think the whole 20th century stems from World War I, oh, yeah. so I'm like so excited. I, to... I was going to make a joke about who doesn't want to get in on the grand old time that was World War One, <laughs> but actually... Turns out a lot of people... We all get drafted. to get in on it. We're it's still yeah. in it. <laughs> That's why they called it a world war. Everyone was invited. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the Middle East, it turns out. Yes. They, yeah. Uh, it's a party that doesn't stop. Also... Um, listeners, just a heads up, uh, there's going to be a very short turnaround on this episode. Uh, we are recording this the day before, and, um, so there will be less editing than usual. So, sorry about that. Which is why, sporadically, through the course of this episode, I will reveal embarrassing secrets about Brian, (laughs) and he won't have time to edit them out. No. Of course. Sorry. (laughs) This will be a three-hour-long episode. Just covering my high school years. Turns out Brian is sexually attracted to porgs. <laughs> Just something he told me the other day. What's a porg? Uh, oh, it's, it's the newest craze from Star It's the newest marketing opportunity from Star Wars. Like the tiny furry oh. alien from Star oh. Wars. And I realize after what Zach said, it sounds worse if I explain it. Yeah. Uh, well, he. of course, you know what they are. <laughs> I don't know what they are. They are adorable, but yeah. not, again... Anyway, uh, (laughs) if you're new to the show, uh, what we do is each episode we take a different topic from history. One person presents the official version of events. Uh, That'll be Christy in this case. And another person comes up with a bonkers batshit alternate history, uh, which will be Zach. And the winner gets to become the truth going forward. Uh, If you listen to our second Halloween episode, uh, Belganess with Rachel Weeks. Uh, then you probably already got clued into this, but the alternate history won on that. Uh, but that was an amazing, amazing episode and very, very fun to do. uh, Yeah, what was the alternate history had, uh, like, uh, crazy Swedish candies and, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know, the murders were more fun. (laughs) (laughs) They were, they were just so campy, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, I'm trying to remember details of it, and I fucking wrote it. Um, oh, yeah, she turned out... To, uh, she killed Willy Wonka and became him at the end. That's what it okay, was. Okay, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, but this episode, we're getting back to World War One, and we're going to be discussing the Christmas truce. Yeah. Which I, Brian, you realize we have, according to our schedule, an episode that is supposed to come out... The 23rd of December, and yet you were surrendering <laughs> to this Christmas creep. Yep. Uh, 
Thanksgiving has not even occurred yet. I love well, that. Well, it's early party. on in the war, so I mean, mm-hmm. you can only do so much before you move on, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's um, so rare we have a themed episode for Christmas because uh, history does not respect the the idea of goodwill towards men is not reflected <laughs> no, in much of history. Not at all. <laughs> this is honestly one of the more Christmassy Christmas episodes you could possibly have. It uh, is. It's delightful. Yeah. Right? Um, well, how do, where do, how do we start? Um, <laughs> well, uh, Christy, take it away. Okay. <laughs> I am here to talk about the true Christmas truths. Uh, well, I mean, you'll decide what's true at the end, I guess. But um, the Christmas truths is, is, I do think it's one of the like most lovely stories in history. Um, it was uh, the, the Christmas of 1914. Um, the war had been going on since uh, August, September time. So it's only three or four months in. People are still thinking like, oh, we'll be home by next spring. Mm. And so, I mean, it hadn't really gotten too serious yet. Um, but the Christmas truce essentially was yeah. um, where... It was a strictly above-the-clothes war at this point. Yes, yeah, exactly. They did not... Yeah, before the introduction of the gas that got inside of your yeah, clothes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And skin, as it happens. Mm-hmm. And lungs. Skin it it actually just... liquefied your lungs. Okay, oh. we'll be back with more fun later on in this <laughs> series. Let's stick to the bright side. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was... Uh, so they uh, really... I mean, I've heard a few different versions, and there's a really good website. Um, I think it's called Operation Christmas Truce, where they are trying to collect um, all the letters home that soldiers had like written, because um, mm. those were the only real accounts. Like they weren't really public. Like the media, I mean, a the media in 1914 is nothing like what we see today. So right. information back home to the front was much slower. But a lot of people people only found out about this because of letters written home um, to family members and things like that. So uh, really, I mean, I've heard a few different things on how it started, but um, like on Christmas Eve, uh, the Germans, they actually sent them all Christmas trees to the, like Germans are real big on their Christmas trees and they sent <laughs> Christmas trees to the front. I, I don't they, know like, why, but for some reason when you said Germans are real big on their Christmas trees, it sounded like, like a drunk uncle about to Oh, say it something. pretty much is. I mean, they were, they put Christmas trees in the trenches. Like, mm. It's that's something a drunk uncle would do. <laughs> so, I think Germans just in his probably studio just like that just like home, except for you're living I, in gangrene and fucking puddles, and your feet are falling off, and your friends are buried into the side of the walls of the this trench. Is, just like did, your Christmas. Like yeah. <laughs> I am correct that Germans didn't Germans create the tradition of the Christmas tree? They did, yeah. That's why it's we very, had I to mean, like translate. Serious. Like, oh, Tannenbaum, that's like... Yeah. That's... Yeah, that's the Germans. Uh, but uh, they... Um, they... Uh, a lot of this started... So they got Christmas trees. That's what they got at the front. I brought my... Princess Mary Christmas box. Mm-hmm. This is one of my best. It's here you can show Zach through the computer. Oh, uh, I have the camera mm. turned off, but oh, sure. Hang no, on. No, you have the camera turned on. This time the tables oh. are turned, Brian. Oh, no. <laughs> you have had the camera turned on the whole time, um, so and I've had I it turned my Princess off. Princess Mary Christmas box, and this was um, a li- it's a little like brass box that was also sent to the side of the ally- the uh, the allies. 
Um, so Brit- the British and French, and they're on each side of the box as well as the corners list the different allies at this point. So you have France, uh, Britain, uh, Japan is even on there, Montenegro, Serbia, Belgium. Um, there might be, uh, there's a couple more, but anyways, she actually, this was paid, like she wanted this to initially come out of her front. She was really like, it was a, a truly altruistic thing. Like she thought every soldier in the ocean and every soldier on the front should have something. So the, she sent out these boxes and, uh, they would come with a little pad of paper, some, some tobacco for smoking what? and Wait, a, uh- Christy was. I, I think I lost the thread slightly. Who who is sending these boxes? Princess out Mary. Princess Mary. Oh, okay. So she's the princess of the British royal family. I see. Um, okay. Is who sends these out, and uh, and and in the middle of the box is her silhouette. So it's still very like, oh look at me, <laughs> look at this nice thing I'm doing. Um, but yeah, so there was a pet paper. Um, cigarette like t- tobacco rolling papers and a pen and the pen actually to write and the pen actually was shaped like a bullet oh yeah that's fun <laughs> yeah yeah what a little like neat little you know thing um so i but i love this story so much i actually had uh, jordan Dahl bought this meat for me for christmas oh, a couple wow. years ago because it's something i've always wanted i think it's one of the most amazing um stories but now so, sorry i'm sorry if i missed this yeah. um did this go to all of the uh allied troops or just the uh British all troops? i all of them i believe okay. all of them so um it was whoever was fighting um at least her intention was for them to make it to all of them i'm not mm-hmm. sure if that actually happened so um but for the most part, I mean, uh, t- many people, and there weren't millions and millions of people fighting yet, so that's another right. part of of that. So, um, so that that went out on Christmas Eve, or you know, a few days before Christmas as well. And the night on Christmas Eve, along the front, a lot of the German uh, soldiers were singing these like christmas songs whether it is oh tannenbaum or a silent night they were singing them in german mm-hmm. and the english on the other side even though they don't speak german they knew the melody and they were actually singing back to them in a lot of cases and so they kind of realized the next day on christmas day started kind of popping their heads up being like mary you know you guys over there merry christmas like because popping yeah. popping your head up in this in a trench is one of the worst things you could do right you're you're asking to get yeah. your you know to get shot at you know but i think not they to all, mention which is how the british did it because yeah. they were very polite yeah i think well, and at this point i mean millions and millions of people hadn't died the anger mm-hmm. and bitterness was not there yet you know they again they thought this was going to be a nice short little war let's be home by spring like mm-hmm. they really did not realize what this would turn into and, and this, i i th- I think also the fact that they were singing back and forth, uh, the other danger was that this could have been misinterpreted as a classic you got served situation, which would have derailed the entire truce before (laughs) Oh yeah, a classic situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what led to the Russo-Japanese War, I believe, actually. So, yeah, so the next day on Christmas Day, they start popping their head up, start talking. So they start exchanging gifts. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of reports of them playing soccer Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, that was their game. And, um, you know, I I imagine a lot of the German soldiers walked away with the Princess Mary Christmas box themselves. You know, like they, you know, Mm -hmm. they were exchanging a lot of different things. I mean, they knew a lot of same people. I mean, France and Germany, not in in you know not far apart uh from 
each other and everything. And so, and of course, this is happening like in Belgium too, mm-hmm. and in like all these border regions. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so uh, really, in 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 some places, like people became friends. Like this truce went on for a couple of weeks in some places, th- two three weeks, and like people did not want to go back to fighting. They did not want to do it, and eventually, um, it was like by command that they had to start shooting at their friends again. It was nuts. But but then again, when you reach. Christmas time in 2000, 1915, uh, then there's so many people, so many people have died. Mm -hmm. Um, the conditions in the trenches turned so much worse that at this point, um, like there, that would never happen again. And, and that would never happen. I mean, that the anger and bitterness of all of it, uh, it's almost like the last most, the last innocent moment of war that we've ever seen. In modern history, I would yeah. think. I mean, given everything that stems from it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I my understanding is partially also that a lot of the officers and higher-ups uh, after the truce were especially on guard to sort of discourage it, even if it would have happened on its own, which, again, right. given everything that happened, it might not have. Yeah, it didn't happen again. I mean, it wasn't, uh, you know, again, they watched too many friends die a year mm. later, you know, and it, it's not like it was a, it wasn't like it is now where people go and on a deployment, you know, for a very specific amount of time, they know when they'll be home, it's very in and out, like they're like, People stayed in the tr- on the front for, I mean, months and months or the whole year. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like they live there. And so, um, you know, yeah, I mean, the the like innocence or probably like boyish uh, na- naivety of young soldiers was not there again ever. Yeah. Uh, ever again. Because, I mean, this is also like we touched on it a little bit with the gangrene and the rats mm-hmm. and the dead bodies yeah. in the wall, but this is life in the trenches also. Yeah. Um, which is like probably worse than we can even imagine. Yeah. It's an, I mean, it's a nightmare. I mean, I, I, I know, uh, you know, several stories where like, um, you know, trench warfare got so bad that like they used to have this saying that would be like, Oh, either you're gonna get up no into no man's land, and you're going to make it over to the other side's trench, or you're gonna die. So there's nothing to worry about. It's like either you're there's <laughs> it was either you're gonna succeed in your mission or you're gonna die, and like no, yeah. and so it was like there's no need to worry about anything. Yeah, that yeah. It, was it wasn't all Amazonian women with shields, Wonder Woman. No, definitely misportrayed was trench not. warfare. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's that's your angle. That scene was <laughs> left on the cutting room floor. The horribly depressing trench foot and disease that was rampant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was bad. I mean, they were living with rats, just mm-hmm. rats, you know, going through the trenches. A lot of, it was very rainy. It was very rain, like, even unseasonably rainy, mm-hmm. like, the first uh, few years of the war. And that moisture just killed, I mean spread disease um and then they i mean people were dying at such alarming rates after this that they couldn't actually like get rid of the bodies like fast enough they would literally have to bury them into the side of the trenches right just to like and and sometimes you're like a like a hand would pop out of the wall like and be hanging and then it became like good luck to shake the dead man's hand and if you didn't like 
It's yeah. like you were, didn't knock on wood or something like that. Like, uh, I mean, I mean, I of can't course, even... these are like the natural like superstitions that are going to yeah. develop in that situation. Right, right. But so, also, uh... yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, I think there's a scene of the Christmas truce, like they try to depict it in uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. I believe that there is a scene um, mm. in there that they kind of allude to. I don't think they call it the Christmas truce by any means. They just sort of um, model this scene of the two sides coming up and out of the, the trenches in that way. So, right. yeah. And I mean, also, the rats probably had a very nice Christmas. Yeah, they did. I'm the rats sure. made out great, actually, yeah. in World War One. Yeah, there was a lot of food to go around for the rats. So, <laughs> oh, oh, that's mm-hmm. so upsetting. But also, yeah, yeah. when you mm-hmm. like when you talk about the unseasonable rain, See, that makes me think of um, I believe it, I can't remember how it's pronounced. Right, it's Passchendaele. Yeah, but like the battlefield became so muddy that people running across no man's land became. Stuck in the mud and yeah, they literally it was like, like quicksand. Yeah, so it was nuts. You know, it's charming when it's one rat dragging a pizza, but when it's forty rats dragging most of a body, <laughs> yeah. suddenly, yep. you're like, whoa, hello, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I do you can't really make a vine out of that. Yeah, I just. I mean, you I could. Mean, you could, yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, I just really love the idea. And I think it's something that, I mean, I wish that we still did a little bit better is where, you know, what they saw when they heard, when they saw, because they could actually see, I mean, at nighttime on Christmas Eve, they couldn't, you couldn't see into the the other side, but because they, they put candles in the Christmas trees, the Germans, Mm -hmm. it like actually lit up the whole front from the other side and then they start hearing this song and that's actually i mean they found this common ground they're like oh we're not mm-hmm. so different um those jerry's over there aren't so bad you know right. and, and uh and uh, i mean it's not i mean because of the way that warfare is fought and since world war one and the technology that comes with world war one and i'm sure that you'll get into that later um i mean you really take the, pers- the personal side like you don't have to get close to your enemy to kill mm-hmm. them anymore. And that really, uh, you know, dehumanizes war in, in a way that is dangerous, I think. And this is kind of that last moment of humanity, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it is like, it's that moment in history that's like a trade-off where it's like, well, maybe if you have this technology, you're safer, but something, you lose something else. Right. Well, you don't understand the graph. It's much easier Mm -hmm. to pull a trigger or push a button for a bomb when you never have to see it kill anyone. Yeah. It's like it's first drones, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Is where we're at now with it. Yeah. Um, But I mean, even then, just, you know, sending off, you know, the gas was very, I mean, that's not Mm -hmm. hand to hand combat. The gun, I mean, the way the weapons and the way that they designed them for mass killing without having to, you know, get close. You just didn't, I mean, it really, uh, desensitized yeah. war really. I mean you just lay out the barbed wire and like people get caught in that and yep. it's just ugh. yeah that's actually the closest you'll see is somebody who gets close to your barbed wire gets stuck mm. on your barbed wire and you have to watch them die ugh. like you have to watch their face lose it's it's light yay we're yeah, having so fun Christmas. now this is our special Christmas episode <laughs> <laughs> But I do. I, I love like, this. This is like the Christmas from Gremlins that Phoebe yeah. Cates described. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just love, I mean, I love the story. Mm-hmm. Again, Operation Christmas Truce, if that's episode, if that website is still up, is a great place to go because they have, they actually have like photocopy, digital copies of these letters that people drew, you know, wrote home. And it's really this last good moment. Mm-hmm. Um uh, before you know, we were all destroyed by war forever. So, <laughs> yeah. Yay. Um. Every week, Denver's own Real Nerds podcast sees a new movie, and we podcast our experience to the world. I think sometimes we're funny. Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking, not when you're talking, not when you're talking. Oh, you know, it might help if you told them that we're on iTunes or we're on Stitcher, so they could find a place where they can actually listen to us. Oh, okay, Brad. We're also on Twitter, at Real Nerds, and we have an Instagram account. Boom. Commercial, Brad. Cut. Paste. Upload. We like to have fun. Sure. I like fun. James, you're very bad at improv. RealNerdsPodcast.com. Zach, uh, are you ready for your Christmas story? <laughs> yeah. Um... Lighten it up for us here. Maybe oh, you'll win I that way. We'll see what I can do. I mean, because this is... Oh, this is the lightest episode of our World War One <laughs> coverage. It has to be, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, actually, yes, that uh, Operation Christmas Truce website, I believe, is still up. Yeah. Good. Yes. Uh, actually, I think there's been um, um, there's a film about this that I've been meaning to watch for some years. A French film called uh, Joyous Noël, or however mm-hmm. that would be said in French. I heard it's quite good but i've never gotten around to watching it and i uh but uh i may have to one day i hear it's a very faithful and sort of touching retelling of this particular event but uh that is not uh faithful retellings are not my purview in this particular case um but yeah the 1914 Christmas truce in indeed occurred in a manner, uh, the exact manner that was more or less described here. Um, but the part that you may not know is that, in fact, it did continue for a couple more years. Uh, mostly the things that it's notable for are, uh, first, it, it created some of the Christmas traditions that we still observe to this day. Um for example, one of the fa- fa- one of the best ways to pass the time when you were in the trenches for months and months is to tell stories uh, of being back home. And they would call these, you know, throwback stories, like throwbacks to when you were back in London or whatever, the Bronx or whatever these people came from. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Bronx. The Bronx. I think that was Christmas pers- 1917. Right. I-, I think, yeah. Um, but so... Uh, when the Christmas truce happened, they'd get together and obviously uh, they would tell these throwback stories with a Christmas bent. So, you know, they'd tell their Christmas stories and and obviously whenever it was time to tell their stories, instead of saying throwback stories, they would always just say TBS. So it was 24 hours of Christmas story on TBS. And that's where it comes from <laughs> I was, every year. The whole time wow. you were on that anecdote, I was like, how is he going to pull this yeah. together? <laughs> and it was. Uh, anyway, sorry. Twenty. Yeah, hours I mean, there's Christmas truce. Yep. Yeah, I mean, TBS. there's there's clearly other ones. Um, okay. Obviously, the stocking by the fire, of course, was a bloody sock with a foot that had fallen off <laughs> due to trench foot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
And, of course, I have scratched out here, mistletoe. Is that anything? <laughs> um, it's not. Okay. Did Glad you know you- they actually they actually wore bunny suits, too, because they would let the ears pop up over the trench first? And then oh, if they got shot at, then you knew, oh, don't go any further. Like so. that old, like, Groucho Marx thing where they'd put, like, a hat on a stick yep. around a corner mm-hmm. where somebody had a gun. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. And they're like, oh! That's clever. Oh, Merry Christmas. You tried to shoot me. Oh, well. Um, not everybody was pleased about the Christmas truces. Uh, actually, and this part I read is real, that during one of the Christmas truces, apparently, uh, uh, during one of the points where like a ceasefire occurred, I'm not sure if it was uh, how, how, how widespread these truces were, but uh, loosely involved was a young... Adolf Hitler, who actually uh, thought it was unbecoming to behave that way in war. So mm-hmm. even at like yep. 20 years old, this guy was a pretty huge asshole. What a dick. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely uh, see the development of his mindset at that point. Yeah. Um, actually, when Adolf was being such a Scrooge about Christmas, the Christmas <laughs> truce, um, they decided he, he resolved to survive the war at that point, And they sent down an angel to do a reverse. It's a wonderful life on him to show him how oh. much better the world would be if he weren't born. <laughs> but at that point, he was just kind of a shitty 20 year old. So the world was mostly the same, whether he had been born or not. And it mm-hmm. fell apart. Um, yep. That angel failed to receive his wings. Well, I as think far the as I'm fact aware. that he, uh, I mean, didn't have any impact thus far really is what incited him to move yeah. forward and try to have a big impact yeah. and man did he succeed so For sure yep yeah we're still talking about him oh. <laughs> 24 hours of hitler yeah, on tbs you, yeah that's mm-hmm. the that's the weird thing on tbs is 24 hours of valkyrie mm-hmm mm-hmm um, as the years went on and the Christmas truce became a tradition, as I have established, uh, certain people also thought it was bad for the war effort. Uh, Kaiser Wilhelm was, uh, was against it. Um, and in 1916, he was, uh, while being such an, an anti-Christmas truce bummer one night on Christmas Eve, he went to bed and was visited by, uh, three million ghosts, which approximate <laughs> only a tiny part of the number of people who died in World War One. Yeah, I mean, they had a lot of places to be, and, yeah. you know, the fact that only three million, million chose him, uh, I can get, ghosts, I get it. There were not a lot of ghost jobs at the time, so they kind of doubled up. They were getting a huge surplus of ghosts, but the number, the employment numbers for ghosts were just not rising with the same uh-huh. velocity. So yeah. they said uh, three million. I actually wanted to write a sketch with about this Christmas, Christmas Mary Christmas box, claiming that that it's haunted by a very polite British soldier ghost. <laughs> And like, but oh, yeah. every time he goes to scare me, he's just like, oh, sorry. Like, that's the joke. That would be the whole joke. Or like, if I try to like open up my shower and I, he's trying to scare me, I'd just be like, I'd have soap in my eyes and then he'd eventually just help me and give me a towel because he's just too polite. Like, tea. yeah, it's yeah. just a gentleman ghost. Like he's trying to be scary, but it's not really his thing. That's the sketch. Um. Anyways, go ahead. Uh. 
Yeah. Uh, anyways, as the truce became longer and longer, there became a new, there was a new war tactic where while the ceasefire was inactive during those weeks, every night, one side, one army, uh, the German army would come out of their trenches and move the British trench back with a lot of digging a few inches every night. And that way they could gain ground in the war bloodlessly. And this was known as the Christmas creep. And every year, as the truce became longer, the Christmas creep was more and more intense. And one war correspondent journalist, uh, Sir Ernest Dunlop Swinton, who's a real man with the most British name, um, <laughs> became an active enemy of the, uh, the Christmas truce. Now, I'm going to go ahead and do a little mixing in. I'm going to say this journalist was possessed by the uh, the continuing immortal... He was actually the immortal form of Ivan the Terrible, renowned mm. journalist, who is now Rupert Murdoch. Oh, yeah. Um, I forgot we did that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Some guest came up with this plot line. I think that was Kobos. But Hell Ivan yeah. the Terrible, as <laughs> yeah. we know, is an immortal journalist who is now Rupert Murdoch. But at this time, he was Sir Ernest Dunlop Swinton, war correspondent. And he was against the Christmas truce because of the Christmas tr creep. And so he advocated that we start having war on Christmas. And so the very first war on Christmas narrative began. <laughs> I, admire, I admire how tight that one is. <laughs> uh, something he would reuse once he started the News Corp Corporation many years later in a slightly different context. But yeah, um... Uh, and, uh, I, uh, I also, um, tried to write something for what was going on back home at this time, but it turns out there's not a lot of like female led Christmas movies or stories. All I got was bad mom Christmas, which I haven't seen that one part of little women, which is just kind of a normal Christmas. And then a bunch of Hallmark movies, like about finding love at Christmas, like mm -hmm. some bullshit you see called like a Christmas fuckboy or something <laughs> that comes on every There's year. There's a really good one called The Christmas Ghost. It's not good. It's very bad. But they're all I mean, bad. There's a lot Those... of really awful but wonderful Christmas love so stories on Netflix. Oh, Do you ever watch? I, okay, I was we watched up, one I was of mixing those. Up Christmas Ghost and The Christmas Shoes. No, oh, okay. this is much worse. Those Christmas, or better, those Hallmark, depending on what you're into. This is kind of unrelated, but those Hallmark Christmas movies are, they always have this kind of wholesomeness that appeals to people who are probably like the worst people. Because I feel like the underlying message of every single one of those Hallmark Christmas movies is like, we aren't saying this out loud, but wouldn't the world be better if it were just white Christians? It's yeah. like always that kind of thing going on in the background. Uh. Uh, those yeah. movies are the worst. Uh, Incidentally, I remember Zach, you and I watched a Thomas Kincaid Christmas movie. Uh, Thomas Kincaid's Christmas Cottage, I believe. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a podcast where we discuss it. Abhorrent um, mm -hmm. in every way, except Chris Elliott um, was in it, so that was kind of okay. Well, as you can guess. Today at work, I just threw a bunch of Christmas memes into a bag and tried to make it work out because I got behind the wire on this particular <laughs> alternate history. 
So basically, uh, yeah, these this series of vignettes has constituted my alternate history for the Christmas truce. <laughs> I loved it. Thank uh, you. A a beautiful the Chris- the real Christmas truce, of course, being a beautiful story in one of the darkest periods of human history. Yep. So I didn't expect a win on this one anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Uh, well, before we get to judgment, um, just wanted to mention a few things, listeners. Uh, we have our Patreon page where you can buy your right to vote for a little bit, because mm. uh, that's how America works. Uh, our website, RuginousPodcast.com. Uh, pretend I said that correctly. And <laughs> uh, as always, we ask that you rate and review the podcast on iTunes, which is mad helpful. Um, also, uh, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and we are part of the Denver Podcast Network, a local uh, podcast collective. And one of the other shows on that network is Discover Weekly, uh, which is a show where two musicians and a music nerd uh, pick a theme each week, and they make a playlist based on that theme and basically talk shit about each other's playlists, and it's really fun and they really know what they're talking about, and awesome. it's great to listen to. Who, who hosts that? Um, uh, Cello Negro. Oh, okay. Uh, Daniel Ahrens, and a third person whose name is escaping me right now, so I'm going to edit this part oh, out. Okay. <laughs> wow. Rude. Yeah. Yep. Ooh, okay. Um, I have the internet on my phone. I can look it up, but that's going to be No, hard. it's fine. It's fine. They know who they are. <laughs> exactly. Um. But check out Discover Weekly, and you can find all the Denver Podcast Network shows at denverpodcast.net. Um, Christy, you uh, you have a, a new show uh, in Denver called Queen City Companion. I do. Uh, which is also a podcast. It now. is. Um, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Um, I was approached to do a, a storytelling show, but we have a lot of true storytelling shows here in Denver, and I really wanted to help encourage writers and performers and musicians and anybody who really wants to just try to do anything weird to um, have a venue to sort of try new things. So um, this is uh, it's an I call it an all false storytelling show because my only requirement is that whatever you write is fiction. It's not written from the perspective that is you in your true life uh but from there it can be anything it can be a script it can be a song it can be a jingle it can be a monologue it can be a puppet show you know whatever i don't care and so that that's being um produced by mutiny information cafe um they are starting new uh, a new uh podcast mini network that's just based on um different storytelling shows they're doing every month so queen city companion is part of that awesome yeah um, also, your co-host of Empty Girlfriend. I uh, am. Yeah. Fabulous, fabulous podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that's a relationships podcast, uh, you know, life tips and love quips from unqualified professionals. That one I've been doing for about three and a half years. So plenty of episodes to catch up on that, but I love it. If you like talking about that gushy love shit, mm-hmm. uh, get in on it. And so many amazing guests on that show. Yeah, like, it's thank one, you it's, so much. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Seriously, check that out. Thank you. You know um, also, you're a member of Pussy Bros with other friends of the show. Who yeah, we- Janae Burris and Rachel Weeks. Uh, so, yep, just a group of uh, of um, lady comics who are out there trying to create shows and book other women and mm-hmm. people of color, and and it's been awesome so far. So, yeah, and uh, all their shows are 
fucking fantastic. So yes. please, please check them out. Check them out. Um, as for me, uh, Nighttime Tonight uh, happens once a month. The next one is uh, November 16th, uh, which will be the Thursday after this comes out. So come check that out. Uh, this month we're raising money for uh, a group called Life After Hate, uh, which is the only group other than the FBI that's working on getting people out of hate groups and working on deprogramming them. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, they uh, they actually, interestingly enough, uh, President Obama, before he left office, gave them a $400,000 grant. Wow. Um, and then after the current president took office, uh, that grant was cut. Oh, so, amazing. So Such a shocker. Such a... Wow. That was surely an oversight, Brian. Brian, that was an that oversight, was correct? not intentional. Come yeah. on. Yeah. I'm Trump's thinking that was probably just a mistake. bad. <laughs> just like when he cut all of the FBI's investigations into white supremacy groups was just kind of a misunderstanding. Yeah. Totally. He just read it wrong. It's not his fault. He's kind of like a yeah. bumbling Clouseau type more than more than yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, God damn it. Uh, anyway, uh, now is... Now is the time for judgment. Um, And, you know, actually, I want to say before we do judgment, Mm -hmm. I said early in the podcast that um, I thought this was jumping the gun because it should we should have waited for our Christmas time episode. But since we are talking about this subject briefly, actually, since this is about a moment of true peace and joy and a dark period, that's kind of how I felt on this recent election day. So maybe it is an appropriate time for this episode yeah. to have aired. Again, Girl. to clarify, election day 2017. Oh, yeah. Um, not that not that other one. No, yes. but this one recently. It the did. It one. felt like, hey, it felt and like if the pendulum swinging back a little bit. It felt good. The first and if day, you're listening like in the future, like if you're listening in the future, hopefully the most recent election day felt very similar. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. If we still have those, yeah. let us know. <laughs> um, oh, we're laughing so we don't cry. <laughs> ah, ah, everyone. Um, history will end soon. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Actually, it's appropriate because our our last year, our first episode after Election Day also featured Christy. Yeah. And it was a very non-traditional one. Oh. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. With me and Janae. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We were so mad. Yeah, everyone was. That was a a very strange time when everyone needed to cry cry and say things. Yeah, I do. Oh, man. We don't have time to get into it, guys. We'll do it in 20 years when we have time to talk about this history. Yeah, on... No Look out for our 2018 election day special. Yep. Christy, I'm sure you'll be back for that I one. I will. I promise. <laughs> um, as for judgment, um, they're both such good stories. Um, I <laughs> I really like Zach's turn at the end of just sheer honesty. Um, but the, the real Christmas truce is something that has been special to me for years and christy you did such a good job of telling it yes this matters Mm. Ah, okay Um, sorry no that's (laughs) i really liked the christmas creep part though yeah that was uh, that was really really the highlight of my night so thank you zach (laughs) uh but absolutely uh the it's now up for voting so uh go ahead and do that but for everyone here at the revisionist i'm brian flynn I'm Zach Powers. <laughs> Have a, were you going to do a pun name? 
Or did you? Uh, I don't know. I was thinking about trying to do like a Santa Christmas ho ho ho. He's coming. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. That really came together He's well. Zach po ho ho. I did it. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, for everybody here at the Originists, have a good time. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> have a merry time. I still jump on the gun on that a little bit. Yeah.